pray with me, please? Using the words that John Stott often prayed before he preached, and I think it's a great prayer. Lord, may your written word be our rule, your Holy Spirit our teacher, and your glory our supreme concern. Amen. Please be seated. With this group of people, you have to get things kind of just right, because if they're off, they won't hear anything I have to say. So I think I need to come over this way just to see more. Okay, here we go. What a privilege it is to open God's Word with you again today. Um, I, uh, you know, those are great passages that we had. Uh, wouldn't it have been exciting to preach on Abraham asking God four or five times, why didn't you reconsider, God, uh, what you're going to do? Or the psalmist as they write about the things that are happening, or the Lord's Prayer itself. I, uh, I've chosen to look at the passage in Colossians, and I hope that if you have your Bible, you will turn to that particular passage. If not, I hope that you will uh, take the leaflet, uh, because it will be in that leaflet. So we're in Colossians chapter 2. I have to admit to you that I kind of feel like Paul felt when he was writing to the Colossian church. In the first verse of chapter 2, he says, For I want you to know the great struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, that um, their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mercy, which is Christ, in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now don't get me wrong, I don't compare myself to the Apostle Paul in, in spirituality, nor in, in wisdom or knowledge or anything like that. But I have to tell you that I struggle because I want to present to you this morning the need for us to 100% place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord as we move along in our lives. Daniel Bach says, ultimately Colossians is about the work of the Father in the Son. Blessing comes from God through the Lord Jesus Christ alone, and a life that pleases God draws on what the mediator and enabler provides. And that's kind of what we want to look at this morning. If I were to say one thing to you today and ask you to see one thing, it would be that we begin our life in Christ by faith, and we complete our life in Christ by faith. The passage that I particularly want to look at with you this morning is found in verses 6 and 7. Uh, there's so much. Uh, you would not be happy with me if I were to try to teach the whole passage. You will, would have had supper tonight rather than lunch this afternoon. And Father Don sitting up there saying, well, what's the difference? You took that long with the first service. So, so here we go. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. As you can see from this passage, the emphasis is going to be on that faith that we talked about. Faith in Jesus Christ and faith to walk 
in Jesus Christ. When I last had the opportunity to teach you on Sunday morning, we looked at a passage of scripture where we were reminded that Jesus was the anointed one, that he was the son of God who had come to give guidance and direction to save his people as they placed their faith in him. The message here is to the people who have received the gift of life that Jesus has given to, the, to us through the person and work of Jesus. Later in the service, we will affirm our faith by saying that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. As we see that he is the one who not only in the past has given us new life, but he is the one who promises us life in the future. With that backdrop, let us continue with the, t the next part of the verse. You saw there that he says, therefore you received, and it builds on these things that, were, uh, that went before, where we see that Jesus is the one who brings order and firmness, and our faith in Christ is something that's there. And you receive it, and one, one person said, you receive it with gladness. It's kind of like the gift that comes to us. Now, when we look at this passage, and when you look at passages through the scripture as you study them, one of the things that you might want to look for as you go through the scriptures are those things that we call commandments, or in the Greek, they're, in, they're imperatives. They're, 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 they tell us what we ought to do. And in verse 6, we have an imperative. The imperative is, walk in him. Walk in him. Who? Walk in Jesus is who he says that we need to walk in. So the command that you and I have is that we've received Jesus Christ by faith, and now we need to walk in him. That's a command. It's not a request on the part of believers. It's not something whereby we go, gee, Jesus is a nice guy. The command is given. You will walk in him. Now, verse 7 actually tells us how it is that we can accomplish this task of walking in him. Now, uh, I have to tell you that I am not here, I am not a Greek scholar. I, I have Blue Letter Bible and it helps me. It lets me know what's happening. But as I look down through this, this verse, chap, uh, verse 7 of chapter 2, I noticed that there were four different um, words that were used that are, that are participles. And I know that each and every one of us is, is, is really, you know, we've got participles down, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I asked a couple of English teachers about participles, and they got and went, Okay. Well, participle was a verbal form. Okay. So, who's here? Who's here? Never mind. So, it's a verbal form, and it can do one of two things. It can either be used uh, to modify a noun or actually another adjective or, or an adverb, and in that form, it's, it's, it's used as an adjective. Or it can be used as an adverb, a modifier. Those two words, adjectives, adverbs, modifiers. What it looks like, what it, how it stands, what needs to happen. 
Well, we have an imperative, don't we? The imperative is to walk in Christ. These four participles will tell us how we can accomplish walking in Christ. So basically, the four participles that I want to deal with you today are these. The word rooted, the word built up, the word established, and the word abounding. Those are the four participles that we have. So what does it mean for me to do those things so that I can walk in Christ? Well, let's take a look at them. The first participle that we have is the word rooted. When the Colossians would have heard this word, they would have recognized the agricultural background of it. In other words, you plant an olive tree in good ground, and what's going to come up? Olives, because there are, it's, it's planted in there. There are nutrients. There's enough uh, that it can put its roots down into the ground. Or, uh, or a vineyard. Oh, do the same thing with, with, with the vines. It goes down in. It, it, it works around so that it's, it, it's rooted in it. Well, when we look at this passage of Scripture, one of the things that we need to understand is that it, we have been rooted in Christ Jesus. I think that what he's happened, he's happened, he said, you have received this. Now, because you have received this, being rooted or having been rooted in Christ, you can walk in him. Now, I have to do one more thing with this particular verb or this particular uh, word. It's a participle, and it's found in the perfect tense. A perfect tense in Greek means that something takes place at a point in time, but the effects of it continue on after it. That's the idea of perfect. All right? Am I clear enough with that? Something happens in time. The effects of it continue. So what is it that we're rooted in? We're rooted in the fact that Jesus Christ is the one who gave his life. It's the faith that I have. If we are to walk in Christ, we need to be reminded that, it, that we are rooted in him, that our life comes. If we were to look at other passages, we would find that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were going nowhere in Ephesians chapter 2. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we've been made new and now we can do things for him. We can walk in him. But it's because we are rooted. I have come to a place in my life where I recognize that the only way for me to have peace with God is by trusting that Jesus Christ has accomplished the things that need to be done to, to stop the separation that I have with God and bring me back together. Romans chapter Therefore, having peace with God by the faith of Jesus Christ, we now can move back together. So it's the only way that we can walk. If we are to walk in Christ, we need to recognize that Jesus is the one who gave his life so that I can have life not only now, but in eternity to come. You see, the effects of my placing my life in, uh, uh, my faith in Jesus Christ is that I do indeed have salvation in the future, but it affects everything that happens in my life. 
couple of weeks ago when I talked with you, I told you that Christianity is not a Sunday religion. You remember? Anybody remember me telling you that? Okay, thank you for the three of you that remember that. Good. Now I have to be very, very careful of how I say this. Because there are people who will say, what about Friday and Saturday? Because in the first service, I said we walk with Jesus on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Somebody asked me about what happens on Friday and Saturday. Needless to say, what I'm saying to you is that when we leave here, our faith doesn't remain here. It goes with us. It's what keeps going. We are not Sunday-only people, or we ought not be Sunday-only people. Okay? So I have been rooted. I have been rooted. My life is built up because of what Jesus has done for me, okay? You gotta hold on to that. If you are going to walk in him, it's only because you are rooted in him. You remember back in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. You can't bear fruit unless you are attached to me. The second participle that we use is built up. And I would suggest to you the idea in this word is being built up. This is a, this is a present participle. It's something that happens over and over and over and over and over again. By the way, it's passive so that there are, those, the, the, there are things that come in and control me. I'm not the one, I'm not the one who can say, I am building myself up. It's something else that's coming in to building me up in Jesus Christ. And if you'll notice, it says they're rooted and built up in him. In whom? In Jesus. So I'm in rooted in Jesus. I am going to be built up. So they would have recognized that as being buildings that are built on a foundation that are capable of holding up the church of Jesus Christ. Back in Ephesians, we're reminded over there that the church universal is one that is built on a foundation of Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone, and the apostles and the prophets. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, there may be some who will disagree with what this foundation really is all about. But I would suggest to you that the foundation that we're talking about is none other than the teaching of Jesus Christ and the apostles themselves. And where do we find that? We find it in God's word, don't we? If we would go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he will remind Timothy that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for... Uh, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, i.e., walking in him. If we go back to that Ephesians 2 passage, we know that, for by faith you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. But sometimes we forget to add that next verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do 
good works, to do good works. And where do we find these things? We find them in his word. It's right here. It's not about what Father Tom says or Father Don says or Deacon Karen or uh, 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 Deacon Peg. It's what God's word has to say. We need to be like the Bereans. Paul came. The, the, the disciples came and they said, this is what the scriptures have to say. And the Bereans says, well, let's see. Is that really what the scriptures have to say? And so what did they do? They looked in the scriptures. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is what the scriptures have to say. That God's going to send a Messiah. And Jesus sounds very much like that Messiah. And we need to build our lives on him. So we have the Old Testament scriptures, right? But it's interesting, if we go over 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, the Apostle Peter says, I want to tell you that the writings of the Apostle Paul are sometimes difficult to understand, but like the other scriptures. So what is he doing? He's comparing the writings or the letters of Paul to what? The Old Testament, right? They were the scriptures. They were the scriptures. And why can he say that? Because he recognizes that they, as apostles, have been given the responsibility to carry on the work that Jesus Christ had given and to teach the doctrine that Jesus Christ had given them to teach. So that you and I, if we are going to walk in him, we need to be built up. And the only way that you and I will ever be built up in our faith is if we rely on God's word and what it says. It's going to sound like a broken record to you, but my friends, we need to be in God's word on a regular basis, not just Sunday morning. It needs to be something that we need to be looking at to see exactly what he says to us. That should be our challenge. If we are to walk in him, then I need to know what he says that I need to do. And the only way that can happen is to know what God's word has to say. So, the tense of this participle, as I said, emphasizing that it's something that keeps on going. It's something that I do day after day. Now I have to admit to you, will you take my confession? Sometimes I get busy. That's no excuse. That's no excuse. No excuse for me to not be with my Lord on a day-by-day -day basis. That's what needs to happen. Letting him talk to me and me talk to him. We can, we, 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 I mean, I'm good at excuses. Do you know that it's too hot this summer to ride my bicycle? Did you know that? It's way too hot. I mean, who in their right mind would go out and ride their bike? I know. Lauren Gilbert would. But you know, we can come up with all kinds of excuses, but never let, never let our excuses get in the way of allowing God to talk to us. Oh, I guess I better move on here, huh? The third participle was being established. And once again, the word is established. 
but the idea is being established. We now have, we still have a present tense. It's a passive present tense where these things come to us. And this is a beautiful word. It means that I am now firmly in place. I am confirmed in my faith. In a couple of months, we're going to do confirmation classes. Do you know what those confirmation classes are for? It's to teach people what they need to to know and believe, right? God's word was given for us principally for two reasons. To know what we believe about God and to find out the duty that God requires of us. That's principally why you and and I have the scriptures. And we need to stand in that. This is a picture that kind of, I, I love this picture. There's a firmness about this. This is kind of like, this is kind of like that passage back, uh, where is it, back in uh, Matthew chapter 7, where uh, Jesus says, if you hear my word and you build on it, you're building on a rock, and when the waves come, it stands firm, right? That's kind of what we have. So when I looked at this word, I thought, okay, my roots are firmly planted in Jesus Christ. My building is being built on the, on, on the words of Jesus Christ and the prophets and the, and the apostles. So now I'm being established because I have these things happening in my life, right? Well, I thought about two different things or two, two different ways that, that I'm kind of established. When my belief comes into question, as was taking place, by the way, in Colossians. By the way, the Colossian heresy was kind of an interesting heresy. It, it took a little bit of Greek philosophy, and it took a little bit of, 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 uh, of, of Jewish thought pattern, and it was so much like, well, let's throw a little religion in here, but then let's move away. One of the things that was happening during that time is if there was Gnostics, if part of this was a Gnostic, then one of the things that was happening is that people were saying, you know, this world is not created by God, Right? You know why? Because God doesn't have anything to do with material things because he is spirit. He is spirit. Spirit can't touch physical, material. Okay? Have you ever heard, have you heard that one? I mean, let's face it. Is that not what, uh, is that not what happens when we say, you know, there is no God and things just happened? Right? Things just happened, right? The only problem with that is if we go into science, we know that things couldn't have just happened. It just couldn't. Somebody was talking to me about why in the world I would ever believe in God, and I said to them, listen, if you can show me logically that they, there cannot be a God or that there is, it, 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 it's illogical to believe in a God, I'll be right with you. But you know what? That can't happen. Now, you know what is illogical? Illogical is saying this is what had to happen even though science says it can't happen. So I am being built. I am established. I am confirmed. My faith becomes strong so that I can stand against those who would say that Jesus is not the Lord. I can stand firm. When somebody says Jesus never claims to be God, you know, that really is a dumb thing to say. 
I mean, it really is. Just read the scriptures. Why do you think they wanted? Why do you think they wanted to stone him? They tell him why they want to stone him. Because you, being a man, have made yourself God. Right? We need to stand firm. We need to know the scriptures and establish our faith in that. The purpose of that Bible, as I said, is to teach us what to believe about God and what our duties are toward him. This is the way that we resist the devil. When we say the Nicene Creed, don't just say the Nicene Creed. Think about what you're saying. I believe in God, Father Almighty. What does he do? Creator of heaven and earth. Wow. That says a lot in our day and age, does it not? That we have a God who's capable of creating, but then we also have a God who moves in with his son, who is very God of very God and man of man, to provide us for our salvation. The Colossians would have, the, 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 the heretics in Colossa would have never bought off on that and didn't buy off on that. That's why Paul's teaching them later in this passage that Jesus came in the flesh and that he is the mystery. We can't understand all of the things that happen, but we have a God who is there. He says you need to be careful of philosophy. Philosophy is a great word. You know what philosophy means, don't you? It means love of wisdom. Love of wisdom. The problem is that man's wisdom isn't real good. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowing who God is and what God is is where we get wisdom. That's from a theological standpoint. But you know the fact that you and I are established in Christ also says that no matter what comes into our lives by way of, by way of trials or tribulations, we can stand against because we've got a God who loves us, a God who is faithful, and a God who is in control, right? You know, this is what was happening. A lot of people go, oh, man, this is happening, this is happening. There can't be a God. Well, when I know that there's a God and his best interest is to glorify himself and in glorifying himself have me to enjoy life, now, what more could I ask for? My school, Philadelphia College of Bible, you will not find that as a school now. They changed their name. Why would you want to explain that you graduated from a Bible college if you wanted, if you wanted a job in, uh, in finance? I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Lord, I am so sorry. We are now Cairn University. Cairn means a rock place there for God's faithfulness because of God's faithfulness. I have no problem with that. Because you see, what we sang as our class, as our school song was great as thy faithfulness, taken from Lamentations chapter 3. And in it, you know who writes it, don't you? Jeremiah. And 
Jeremiah is known for all of his frivolity. Actually, Jeremiah is known as the weeping, the weeping prophet, because things were not going well in in Jerusalem and Israel. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Jeremiah found himself in a in a in a cistern, a part of a jail, and yet this is what he writes in Lamentations: the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Are we established enough that when difficulties come into our lives, we know that God is capable of taking care of things? A few weeks ago, some things happened, that, uh, and I was up in the middle of the night thinking, Man, you really messed that up, and, and you know this is these are things that it, you you messed up, and now things aren't going to be okay. And I finally realized, you know what, God, my being awake is not going to change things, but my dependence on you, knowing that you are a God who has my best interests at heart, I can go to sleep. I can go to sleep because you're the God who's in control no matter what comes into my life. And I can stand firm. This, too, is one of those, I'd say, it's a present tense, something that goes on to be established over and over. The last, the last participle was abounding. Abounding in what? Abounding in thanksgiving, gratitude. Abounding in gratitude means overflowing. Do we ever get overflowing in our gratitude toward God? It's what he wants. He says that if you were to walk in him, you need to be rooted. You need to be built up. You need to be established. And isn't it interesting? This is the only active participle. Everything else comes into me. This one goes out from me. Do I thank God on a day-by-day basis for everything that he's given me? Do I thank God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be my savior? Do I thank God that he established the church of Jesus Christ so that I can look around and I find people who are willing to love me, even though sometimes I'm not very lovable? Do I see him? Do I give thanks for the family that he's given to me? Do I give thanks for the blessings, material and spiritual, that he's given me? When we walk in him, Jesus Christ, we do that. A little bit later on, we're going to do the Eucharist. The Eucharist is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So when we say the liturgy, when we do the liturgy, are you going to give thanks for Jesus Christ? Are you going to give thanks for his church? Are you going to give thanks for the blessings that he's given you? Because if you want to walk as Christ did, These are the things. Paul often did these. He would write to churches, and he would know that there were problems, and he would say, he would say to them, oh, I love you. You're mine. So in conclusion, I just say to you, I've alluded to a verse that's in my life, that's my life verse. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
do I say to myself? Are the things that I'm saying glor- uh, something that Jesus would say? Am I saying to myself, is this the thing that Jesus would do in his walk? Did you notice how that passage ends also? What does it end in? It ends in thanksgiving, doesn't it? We need to do that. We need to be rooted in Christ as our Savior, as the one who gives us new life, the one who took us out of death and brought us in life, the one who made aliens part of his family. We need to be built up, that is to say, we need to be in God's word. We need to depend on the teachings of Jesus Christ and the apostles and prophets. Then we need to stand firm. He calls us to stand firm like that house that's built upon the rock, that when the waves come and beat against it, it can stand. Because we've got a God who is faithful. And then, do we give thanks? You know, we live in the United States, and sometimes it's just easy to assume this is what I'm owed. In reality, We need to thank God for his mercy and his grace and his blessings. And when we do that, we can walk.